Amen. You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Welcome in to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson alongside Tech Hoops Guy today. I don't know why you can't comment, Kyle, but right when right when you say we're good to go live, I hit live and then we go live. I don't know if you know how that works. Yeah, it's all good. If you want to gear up for Texas Tech Athletics, you can go to cardinalsports.com, mycardinalsports.com, or in live person action right outside the loop on Slide Road. Go shop the vault. That's all I'm going to say today. Go shop the vault. It's Father's Day. Shop the vault. People, it's probably about that time of year where most folks maybe need some golf gear. Oh, yeah. They've got that at Cardinals. Tech Hoops guy, do you golf at all? You're muted, Tech Hoops guy. Love golf. Like golf. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Big golf guy. Big what golf guy. Uh, right now, probably like a 15, 16. Yeah. Did, you, did y'all see that uh, pro golfer who – went off as an 8.8 and like a $70,000 Calcutta. There's a guy named JB Holmes. And uh, it was, I, I don't know where exactly, but the, the, the pool for this Calcutta, it was a six man scramble with $70,000. He went under the name Jonathan Bradley and entered as an 8.8 handicap uh, played in it and won. They, they ended up catching him, but yeah. <laughs> it reminded me when you asked me why handicap was at one time I had an eight. I was, I was an eight and this was like a couple of years ago. I feel like if you play enough to know your handicap, you're pretty good. It's better than the normal normal guy. Yeah. Uh, Roy says, where's the hat? And then Kyle put on the hat, so we're good there. All right, we're here to do an NCAA regional preview. I've got the odds for some of the Big 12 regionals. I know uh, you two are much more in tune with the stats than I am. So let's just get going. Where do you guys want to start? You want to start away from the Big 12 and then funnel back, or do you just want to start at the top and move down? Let's lightning round non-Big 12. I don't think there's probably a ton of interest outside that, unless there is an intriguing regional for one reason or another. Let's start there and then whittle our way down, if y'all are cool with that. Yeah. Do you want to start with the Wake Forest regional? Sure. Kyle, did you have it pulled up? Because I I just said I have the uh, Big 12 ones pulled up. No, I don't have anything pulled up. But fun fact, did you know that Wake Forest is not located in Wake Forest, North Carolina? Is it not? It's in Winston-Salem. But there is a Wake Forest. It's, the, I think, the county seat of Wake County. I think it used to be there a long time ago, and then they moved to Winston-Salem. Wake Forest is, is unbelievable this year. Uh, talented. And, it, and it's uh, kind of obvious before the season, but they what, what's – what strikes me about that regional is Maryland is actually really, really good too. They've got some good, they're not a big 10 team like uh, your traditional one. And so they, you know, they, they haven't lost a big 10 series in, in over two years. It'll be till 2024 uh, that they've lost one. And so they, they get sent there while I, you know, they, they roll through the big 10, win the big 10 tournament and Iowa, you know, they get sent to the number one overall seed. Meanwhile, Iowa gets sent to Indiana state. Doesn't make any sense, but that's the only uh, you know, Maryland's really good. They've got a Friday night. They've got a, a big guy that pitched for uh, Team USA, you know, over the summer. 
if they save him, they probably won't. But if they do, then that could give Wake Forest a run for their money. I make uh, Wake Forest uh, about 70% to win that regional. Yeah, I can't remember if Maryland actually hosted last year, but I remember them they being did. very much in the host conversation. So yeah, they must have a good program. Um, I did see, though, Wake Forest, I think plus 350 to win it all at Circa. And in my opinion, that is not – good value for any one team. Like I think even Tennessee last year, which was like the most hyped college baseball team of all time going into the postseason, um, might've been about the same odds. And I, I just don't feel the same way about Wake Forest. And of course, Tennessee didn't win it all either, but I, I would not bite at that if I was thinking championship yeah. odds. Definitely not. Agreed. Are you generally a pitch backwards kind of guy in the, in these regionals? Is that Coop's guy? I am. I mean, I think it almost like so that's I think that brings up a good point to for our regional. Right. Um, the SWAC team is just almost always the worst team in this tournament. And and so for for Florida to draw Florida A&M and get the worst team in the tournament, it allows them to to like you're saying, not throw their their number one guy. And I mean, I think, that, you know, they're going to be 97 percent to win that game no matter who they throw. And so. That you know them, them being one and zero at home with all three of their guys just makes it a brutal, just brutal for Tech. Like there, there really is not a situation that could have been worse from a host perspective, uh, other than I guess Wake Forest. But but when you look at UConn, that's actually kind of a break for us. But the host situation is not a break, so it, it, maybe it evens out. We'll get to that. I know Kyle has some thoughts on the pitching there. Uh, the Clemson regional, that is Clemson versus Lipscomb and Tennessee versus Charlotte in that uh, matchup. I mean, Clemson, that, that, you know, they're the, what, four or five seed overall. And they're one of the few, they're one of the lowest that a per- percentage to advance out of any of the hosts. I've got them like 37%. And that's just because they got Tennessee in there. Wow. And t- Tennessee's got just three power arms. And Charlotte's good. And actually, Lipscomb is good. Lipscomb has a couple, you know, what, these tournaments, it, it, you know, the saying people say it like you're you're just as good as your the, the arm you've got, and with some of these teams will fire every bullet in game one, you know. So like Lipscomb's got guys that they've thrown on Friday and Saturday who look really good on paper, and uh, if you're you know Tennessee, you might see both of those guys just in game one, you know, uh, and it's uh, it makes it just kind of interesting when you some of the four seeds that have like a, a dominant guy versus some of the ones that don't. And, and you really you're, you're not catching a break when you when you run into a team that's got somebody. And that's Clemson and Tennessee and, and Lipscomb, even Charlotte. Charlotte has actually has a really good Friday guy as well. It's a tough regional. Is that one of the longer odds for a one seed? Uh, yeah, to get out of the regional. Yeah, yeah, that it's it's the only one that's probably like Indiana State's not the favorite and they're hosting. Uh, but other than that. That is, they, that's probably the longest odds to advance. Oh. Yeah, it is. Actually, uh, coast. I've got Coastal right there too with with them. And Oklahoma State, unfortunately, they, they got just region of death there. Washington is really good. Washington's one of those teams that kind of like kind of reminds me of like a vintage Tech basketball team. You know, like really old. Everybody's like twenty three. They've got multiple really good pitchers. DBU's got really good arms. And then Oral Roberts, all they do is just beat Oklahoma State every time they play them. And I, I think they, you know, they've won like 50 games already. That's a tough regional for sure. You know, like look at OU, for example. I mean, 
they get they're in a better situation than us by far. They're in they're in Charlottesville playing Virginia. It's Virginia ECU with Army. Um, Army ha- is good enough to where Virginia is going to have to throw a guy. Yeah. So that's a huge factor. Whereas we're you know Florida's not. Stuff, but it's baseball, man. You know, it's, there's so much randomness. People, people, I, I listen to like the Lovick sports talk radio and everybody's kind of like negative and down. And it's like, it's, I know, but it's still baseball. Right. I mean, like yeah. Florida could be, Florida's one of the best teams in the country. And like we tech, if tech played them anywhere in the country, we still have like a 35% chance of winning like at worst. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> you know, we, we've, we've certainly got a chance if we get in that game. Just through those regionals in the big 12 that you mentioned right there, or Roberts is plus four fifty which would be the, the tightest odds from a one seed to a four seed in the Big 12 regionals. The the Texas Tech one, Florida A&M, is plus 6,000 yeah. to minus 140-14. That's the biggest gap. So it's not like you're playing with some really good teams up and down like other regionals are. You're just in a bad spot as far as the host goes because not only are they good, they're good at home. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I will say that they, they're – environment was really good they have kind of a ut vibe in terms of like really weak environments and everybody was kind of like what's going on i mean they have this great you know great players program ballpark and uh it's just it's just not like sec it's not like your typical sec venue but it was better this year and i'm sure it'll be great uh this weekend what what was interesting is them not choosing the late game which is the dumbest thing you can do i mean not choosing the early game uh, one of the dumbest things you can do because the best case scenario is tech plays wins and thunderstorms just, you know, the whole tournament washes out and so techs one and zero, and everybody else is scrambling. And like that, that can happen if you don't play that early game. I don't make, it doesn't make any sense why, you know, Tadlock would never play the late Friday game ever. No, it happened to us last year in Statesboro. Um, Andrew Morris pitched. He was a starting pitcher on in game one. And he pitched a third of an inning before it got postponed until the next day. And then Hampton had to come right. in as the de facto starter. And they he pitched really well. So, I mean, it worked out okay. I mean, you didn't win that game. But, yeah, that's why Tadlock – the fans always hate it in game one of that regional because they want to get off work and go Friday night. But he always insists on playing that early game exactly for that same reasoning. It lessens the impact game. that weather can have. Um, what you were quoting those Oral Roberts odds. So plus 450, you know, that, that only needs like maybe 16, 17, 18% chance uh, for that to be like a break even bet. And, and I mean, I've got them 17.4, you know, I mean, that's pretty close. Uh, Oral Roberts, maybe some, I have them kind of highlighted here for a reason. Yeah. And I don't know where these numbers are from. I got them in an article. Uh, I could not see the book listed. They did not say the book. So these are all. Only, no, that, that's the number. That is the number. I'm looking at them now. Um, and it, the only place that I'm aware of regional odds for every team that's in the regional is a paperhead line feed for like local bo- underground bookies. I, I've not seen any. Um, like that's I posted on Twitter a screenshot of the tech one. And that's that's what that's from. Interesting. You heard it here first. That's why we have you on. You know all the numbers. 
so we have uh, – let's finish with Gainesville. But Coral, Coral Gables, I don't think we've talked about that one much yet. Uh, Texas, number two in that regional, plus 170. Miami, the favorite at plus 130. They're the home team. But uh, who do you expect to get out of that one? You know, that that's – so Texas, uh, unfortunately, probably has the an, a pitching edge, um, but they're not playing at home. And Miami's really good otherwise. And, and Miami still has good, good arms. It's um, But the Friday guy – but see, you know, we're in a regional. So Texas is probably going to be tested enough by Louisiana to where they're going to throw Lucas Gordon on Friday. And he's the best pitcher in that tournament. And so that's really kind of irrelevant to Miami uh, when you think about it that way. But, um, I, I mean, I, I make Miami the, a pretty considerable favorite, like 47% and UT about 30. And Louisiana's tough, man. They're really like, you know, being third in the sun, the sun belt is basically, uh, it's like a, you know, their power, I guess, power four or five in baseball, they're in it. Uh, so they finished third in the sun belt behind coastal and Southern Miss who are two of the best teams in the country. Louisiana is no joke, but Texas, they're sneaky. Good, man. They, the Lucas Gordon is really good. Their Saturday guy is really good. They've got, they've got a deep bullpen. They're they're old, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why they swept us. Because Brandon Beckel was suspended in yeah. West Virginia. Yeah, it's true. So <laughs> I keep wanting to get back to our regional. To me, the biggest thing the the, the biggest thing that I'll be watching is whether or not we can beat UConn, but but score enough runs early in while we're doing that to allow Tadlock to not use Beckel. And I think it's just he's cons- he's kind of conservative, and UConn's good. It's just going to be really tough for us to like meet that threshold, whatever that is in his in Tadlock's mind, for us to not use him, Beckel, and and it's like UConn. It's they're really kind of a trying to figure out what they're good at. The the only the one thing that really stands out about them is they work counts, um, and so what it takes. Like one thing I'll do is look and see um, the first seventy to eighty pitches in the game. How many outs uh, does that generate against? You know, how many outs are recorded? Uh, and for them, it's like it's 75 to 80 pitches only records about 13 outs against UConn. It's like one of the best in the country. So they really just work counts. Like they don't have like any superstar guys. They don't have any elite pitching. Um, their schedule's not that good. They got super lucky because some of the Northeast teams that they play in these midweeks that usually should tank your RPI, uh, like Northeastern and Boston College, actually are like would be the best wins on our schedule somehow, you know. So they just got lucky in that sense in their scheduling, um, but in the, but while they're beating up on these, I mean they went forty plus games. While they were doing that, they did so uh, by really like working counts, um, and I so they're very similar to Tech in that regard because we we I do a good job of that as well. I think they're kind of like a money ball team. Is their strength they get on base like the ninth best guy in their lineup bats two sixty five, which isn't good, but for the worst guy in your lineup, that's pretty solid, and if what I've read is correct, they're pretty good at stealing bases. And so one through nine can all get on base and then they can uh, work your defense that way by stealing extra bases. So if I had to kind of like peg what's the hallmark of this team, what makes them good, that would probably be it, I think. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I was trying to be objective as I could today. And but there are five positions like if I was just drafting a team, from Tech and UConn's lineups, that my first five picks would be Tech players. 
I mean, they would take till the sixth guy, sixth pick to where I would even get to a UConn guy. And then when you get to, and then, so then like on Mason Molina is, is a lot better than who they're going to throw. No matter, no matter who they throw, he's, he's a lot better. So, you know, yeah, they're, t- this is why I, I don't like the RPI and we, you know, they're whatever they are in the RPI, but they're not as good as us. And they're not, you know, you're, you're quoting those odds. They're the bigger underdog for a reason. You know, I wish we could find a metric that actually captures the, how good the teams are, you know, because it, it doesn't really. We, you know, three seeds should not really be favorites over two seeds. Even if you flipped Texas Tech and UConn, it still doesn't it – does, it doesn't quite make sense for where they're located because I don't think Texas Tech's in the snake draft – that good to be in the two seed spot in the in the two anyways uh what i was going to ask was you think molina's being thrown the first day against yukon i don't know that for sure um i would i think i would guess so but um i i would i would put it at maybe 80 percent. yes wow did you listen to our last episode it's okay if you didn't i did not no who who would you pitch Game one, if you're Tim Tadlock, and what's the reasoning behind it? Uh, that's a good question. I, I would throw I would throw Molina game one uh, because we've done that all year. Uh, he he's our best on paper, and if you don't win the first game, we have no chance of winning the regional. But I, but I would also do it because um, Rob Kyle Robinson has like the kind of quote unquote stuff to actually like go toe to toe with a Florida lineup. Him going out there at six foot twenty seven or whatever he is, and he and he can throw ninety six. And you know, we, we kind of really set him up uh, for this. He, he hasn't really been extended. And then last week we extend him, and so now he's kind of like on schedule to throw, you know, eighty or ninety pitches a week from when he started, which is what when that game would be. Uh, so we've really kind of like if, if you asked me that question and we hadn't already set it up the way we have, I might have a different answer. But we've we've just we're like the train is like on the tracks in some ways to me in terms of Molina game one. Robinson game two. And I, I'm just, I'd be like just excited to see him go out there because, um, you know, when you're playing Florida there and they're going to have a guy that it doesn't matter who they pitch, he's going to be throwing 100 miles an hour in the first inning. And he's going to be having, I mean, just like alien sliders and stuff at our guys. And I, w- I want to have something that like looks like that on the other side. And that's, that's Robinson or Girton, but Girton, like, I don't know if he exists anymore. Not in that spot, I don't think. That would be pretty impressive to come back out of the bullpen game two against Florida. You're one and oh, and then to, that would take some massive huevos from Tim Tadlock to put Girton on the mound first. No, I think Girton is like your game five starter if you, <clears throat> if you yeah, start like two and story. two, yeah, like for the storyline or three and one, yeah. Um, so on our episode, not to rehash this too much because some of our listeners already heard that. I would start Tabor fast game one. How stupid do you think that is? Um, do, you want me to, do you want me to explain the logic? Well, before you do, I, I would, if we did that, I would make us an underdog in the game. I would have, you know, we would go from being a favorite to an underdog. So like that. How about I Petty? Don't what, I don't know what logic you can get at me that would override that part of my brain saying like, Okay, we're doing something that now decreases our chances of winning. How about Zane Petty? So, but why though? Why are you? Why do you want to save pitching? 
Well, because you're hung up on the game, like you're that it decreases our chance of winning that game. And I'm thinking of the entire thing of what gives you the best odds to win the regional, which is the ultimate goal. Like I could structure it in a way that prolongs you losing the regional and like makes you the best odds to win two games. But like the objective is to win three, like go three and oh, or four and one to get out of the regional. And so the way I see it, you're probably going to have to beat Florida twice unless somebody does the dirty work for you and like UConn beats them, you know, on, in the one and no game or something like that. The other way I think about it is we can pitch anybody against Florida A&M if you start 0-1 and win that game. And so if you but need to be – We won't though. Just so – no one's done that. Like people say that and then they throw backwards and when you lose and you play the four seed and your season's on the line – they still they throw their ace. I know game. they do. I know yeah. they do, and they and they shouldn't because like like you're saying, we have no shot against Florida unless one or both of Kyle Robinson and Mason Molina pitch. And so like, why on earth would you waste that arm against Florida A and M when you need it for Florida to get out of the regional? Like it it increases your odds of going two and Q. I will concede that, but it also lowers your odds of winning the regional, which is the ultimate objective. And I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, to me, that winning the regional, like the, is almost the, is equal to very equal to going two and zero. Uh, like the odds of winning the regional and your odds of going two and zero are very close. You know, just it's just very difficult to win if you don't go two and zero when you're playing on the road against. If you have, if you have your three best starting pitchers for games three, four, and five, though, that's certainly a better spot than. Yeah, I guess if you ran the you know if you're looking at it the the amount of teams that are winning a regional in a game 5 is so small that it's almost like not a contingency worth planning for in game 1. It, that's just my opinion. Um I, I think UConn is definitely good enough to where we have to throw like a real guy like against them. We 100% have to throw a real guy. And and part of that's because they don't have strong uh, pitching but the guy that they do throw, gener- he has he generates a lot of swing and miss, uh, and he's a lefty. Um, he, he, I mean, he's just he, you know, he's enough to to mess with us. You know, he's he's every bit as good as like that. Uh, he's a righty, but like that Kansas, you know, tw- that twenty three year old COVID senior Kansas guy. Um, I mean, so like, but just to your point though, I'm looking. So Zane Petty is, uh, I mean, there's really no difference on paper between him and Beckel and Robinson. So, but that's just on paper. Like the eye test, I know there's a difference between him and Beckel and Robinson. I mean, I, the, the, it's very, very apparent. One, you know, you can, to me, but uh, to your point, I mean, it, that, yeah, there's not a huge difference on paper. I don't think, but we're almost just kind of like Tadlock there. He's not ever going to do that. Right. He's never going to throw Taylor pass game one. No, I know. He will pitch backwards when it makes sense though. I just yep. I think you gotta you gotta trust your bats and you look at UConn. There's no elite pitching. Like two of the three best starters have an ERA north of five, and mm-hmm. that's playing one conference opponent that would have been better than like eighth place in the Big Twelve. They they also have a very pitcher friendly park. UConn does extremely. So UConn's park is pitcher friendly. Exactly. So they're, and their they're ER, and their guys ERA is still north of five. Correct. So mm-hmm. why would you waste? Mason Molina against UConn, if you know you can score eight runs on UConn, no matter who's pitching on, on your side. Number one, that's not the case. You, you don't know that. 
Well, okay, you're pretty confident. And like, if you can't, I, yeah, I know, but I don't. I don't think we're pretty confident about that. I, Just, I uh, am. I know you are. I know you are. But um, it, this is a coin flip. I mean, it is. It, it's for the most part a coin flip game. They, they're 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 on they're. I you know I said I would take five guys before I got to a UConn guy, but the margins in college baseball is are very very small. So and, I. And they, I I guess my counter to that is like if your bats can't get it done versus UConn, then does the starting pitching even matter? Because like to me, this team is one that like the bats need to produce and the pitching needs to be good enough. Like we're not going to win a game two to one in this regional anyway. We might win a game eight to six though. We're nine to seven. No, we we definitely could win a game two to one in this regional, and it's the worst. <laughs> it's it's the nightmare scenario of Molina, UConn wearing out Molina, him throwing a hundred pitches through five innings, Beckel coming in and throwing sixty pitches through three more, two more innings, and then us using every bullet possible because we're scared that we can't beat UConn. I mean, I know that it's like theoretically possible. And it happened versus K-State. We lost to them three to two. And I was like, how do you, how does this team as constructed lose a game three to two? But like, if you're playing the odds, and again, thinking about the ultimate goal of winning the regional, you have to trust your bats against UConn and FAMU and not use your ace, at least in the first game. Because like, you'll get a second crack at UConn if you lose game one. And then throw Robinson or Molina or one of your good arms to to stay alive. But like to me, the zero zero game is the second lowest pressure game in the regional. The lowest pressure game is when you get to play the four seed if you're the host or in the O and one game. So it makes no sense to me to use up your ace in one of those two spots. Now, having said that, I know that Tadlock isn't going to change how he operates. And I see the flip side, you can get bounced a lot sooner if you go my strategy. But I think it also maximizes your odds of doing something that's already unlikely, and that's winning the regional, which you have maybe a 20, 25% chance of doing, I guess. Possibly. You know, if you didn't, if you really tried to run, like you ought to do this, you ought to do the, the mental exercise of, uh, you know, doing like game one. If we throw Molina, this is how many times I think we win. If we don't throw him, this is how, this is what it decreases our chances by. And, and like gaming it out because, um, if you like just dropping your, your chances in game one by like 5%, it has a humongous impact over like the course of this, of the tournament simulating out. Like it, it's a very, very, very big impact. Just like the small, because I mean, I'm looking at, I, I got a guy who really takes this serious and has access to a lot of information, like stuff that a lot of people don't. And he'll run like a hundred thousand simulations with the pitchers that we put in. And he's got UConn winning 50.7% of the time with Molina throwing against their number one guy. So I mean, I, like if you I, now I don't really I I don't really agree with him there. Uh, I don't think he's that far off, and like the betting market doesn't think he's that far off either. But if you like, if he's if he's right or if he's just a little bit wrong, and it's more like the market and you and the difference between Molina and Petty is like six or seven or eight or nine percent, then there's just no way you can catch up on the tail end by saving pitching. And is that is that as simple as it's a left-handed pitcher? And our lineup is just not as good against lefties. Um, you know, I don't. I th- I think actually, I I don't know if that's the case. I, they are as good just because of cash uh, isn't as good. Austin Green is is much better left-handed uh, when we when we are, you know, when we're. I, I think those are two of the primary reasons why Hester isn't as good against a left-handed guy. But um, yeah, that that is that's in play. If you ask this guy, I guarantee you that'd be in play. Like if Andrew Sears isn't throwing for them and they're throwing the righty, then it, these numbers would change tremendously. Then you but I mean, it's the same. Go, you know, but it's really just like Molina's that good. 
Wait, so do you think Andrew Sears is going to be their starting pitcher on Friday? Yeah. yeah. Six and a quarter ERA in a pitcher-friendly park? Yeah. Hey, there's like I said, there's I bet on – I mean, I bet on guys with high ERAs all the time. Like, look at Florida. Like, so so I was listening to Jay – or, uh, yeah, the uh, – yeah, Jay Johnson, LSU's coach, and people were kind of getting critical of him and LSU's pitching, and, he, and they had just played Florida in a series. And he's like, guys, did y'all not just see who rolled through here last week? It's the three best arms in college baseball. Every one of them have ERAs over six. Like pitching's hard. College baseball's random. There's there's ways to kind of filter out the noise of ERA. And so like you can do that with uh, Sears. His like defensive, you know, if a uh, defensive independent ERA, like what he should get on batted balls is three point nine three. He he's got a seventy four strikeout to twenty three walk ratio. I mean that is like, and he pounds the zone. I mean, like UConn's philosophy is, is totally opposite from Tex. Totally opposite. We throw 3-1 sliders in the dirt on purpose. Like, they, they are pound, pounding the zone, which actually kind of – we. I like our lineup against a team who has that philosophy, personally. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm over here, like, defending UConn. I like us. I like us more than the market. I like us more than people I like, pay to help me, like, bet college baseball. I like Tech in this game for, for the reasons that you're, like – for the re- same reasons why you want to throw Zane Petty is I, I, I like you. I like us in this game, but yeah. I don't think I would throw Zane Petty. I think if like, you're the logic though, is still like could be flipped. Why not throw Molina and like throw Zane Petty against Florida? If you, if you, if you like, you know what I mean? He's well, I would throw, I would throw K Rob game two. Yeah. I'm you throw... in the future, you're talking about, you're worried about game seven. I'm talking about, you know what I mean? Like why don't we throw Petty in game five? Well, I'm planning for all contingencies and trying to map out your most likely scenario of winning the regional. And I don't think that involves throwing Molina against a guy with a six and a quarter ERA versus Little Sisters of the Poor in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. The I think you should likely, save your ace. The most likely is going 2-0. There is almost no chance of us not winning the regional. Going but but going that's 2-0. the most likely way to win it, but that's not the most likely outcome through our first two games. And so I think you have to account for some of that. Maybe a question from the audience here. A uh, question for Tech Hoops guy: Does the Florida Stadium play small? I think it's one of the most home run easy stadiums, opposite of last year's Georgia Southern Regional. We've got it as one point oh two eight, so three percent more runs than the normal school, uh, than the normal college park. It's almost uh, right at Tech's. That's uh, it's a little bit plays a little bit uh, bigger than Tech's, much much smaller. So just I mean, like, uh, it plays small. It, it would be the short answer, like the the uh, you know, without getting into the weeds, because like it, it plays uh, smaller than Stillwater. So Stillwater, wow. yeah, is a band box. But that a lot of that depends on the weather. Like, is it going to be super humid? Um, you know, what time of day you're playing? But uh, yeah, it plays pretty small. But it also kind of plays small because Florida's got some dudes that hit it out of the ballpark. I mean, they've got like. Uh, I mean, they have multiple guys who are going to be first round picks, like top 10 or 15 picks in the draft at some point in their, when their amateur career is over. What's interesting about Florida is they have a two-way guy. So, you know, they have a two-way guy who's probably going to, he's going to be like a top pick. And, you know, teams always throw their two-way guys on Sunday because you don't want to throw them on Friday and then he has to play in the field for the rest of the, the weekend. So when they're pitching backwards, they, they can't just, you know, if you're pitching backwards, you're like, okay, we'll throw our Sunday guy against Florida A&M. But, you know, they probably won't do that. Um, 
yeah, I was I did not know about him until I was looking at stats, and I was like, okay, their best starting pitcher ERA wise is four four point one four. Jack Caglino, and I like pull up their lineup, and I was like, guy with the same name has an ops of eleven hundred, and yeah. like. Double-digit home runs. I was like, okay, this cat is pretty good. Did you see the Florida player early in the year that hit the home run and got in trouble for celebrating? So the next time he hit a home run, he walked – or his teammate walked really – that was him. Okay, yeah. Doing the robot across. That was funny, yeah. That was Caglione, yeah. (laughs) So what's the dream scenario for Texas Tech watching the Florida-Florida A&M game? Is it that Florida throws bullpen and has to throw six guys because FAMU's got a couple home runs? Yeah, they've got – they have three Beckles. You know, they've got three of them. And so I guess the dream scenario would be for Florida A&M to somehow cause them to have to throw uh, one of these guys. One guy's name, last name is Abner. Another guy's name is Fisher. Those are two of the, guys, two of the first guys they bring out. You know, and they all throw like 98. It, it's honestly – it's like, uh, it's like an embarrass. It's like embarrassing what Florida has, and and there's been like a lot of controversy if you follow like college baseball. Um, some of the like, t- like nerds will will say that they're misusing their pitchers. They're not throwing like uh, pitches the way they should, and Florida pitchers will like interact with the tweets, you know, and be like uh, liking them, saying like their pitching coach is dumb. Like we have six ERAs and we throw like a hundred miles an hour and we've got sliders that can play in the MLB right now. And we're getting, you know, we have a six ERA and it's because we're not throwing. Uh, so there's, there, that's, there's some drama over there, but I mean, they're still the number two seed. Yeah. It's um, I, I could see though, t- you know, like a dream scenario would be Molina us just getting out early, hot, Molina throwing like 60 pitches, being able to throw on a Monday, Kyle's mythical game six. You can throw Molina in that game if you get out of it, if you, if you need to. And then, and, you know, and getting a, getting a win without having to throw uh, Beckel or Robinson. Cause like, honestly, it won't surprise me if, if we're in a, like a dog fight, Ted Luck said, we're going to throw Robinson game one or two. And, and UConn does what they do and wears Molina out through like four innings. You could see Robinson. And then you could see Beckel. Like we could be playing on Saturday with Robinson, Beckel, and Molina Burned. Like that's the worst case scenario with a win. That'd be so bad. But a lot of our, our fans would want to do it because, in their minds, getting to one and zero is the most important thing. Not, not winning the regional. Because because it's pretty important, man. I mean, it's it's, like, it's hard. It's hard when you're zero and one. It's harder when you have no pitching against one of the best teams in the country at their place. I'm trying to think of the analogy because it's like you, you're very worried about like this this horrible horrific scenario of us coming from 01 and being like oh it'd be well, it's actually be better for us we lose to UConn we can throw me against Florida A&M and then we'll be in great shape like that's almost like that's like no kind no of no I'm not saying you'll be in great right. shape at any point in this regional I'm trying to minimize the damage okay so would you agree with me that one way or another the most likely probably 70 percent shot that you start one and one through your first two games. Um. Yeah. Oh, I would. Yeah, I'd say. Well. Uh. Yeah, I'd say seventy. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. And then, is it more likely that you go zero and two or two and zero? Are they about equally likely? I'm sorry. It's it's probably much higher than that because of Florida and M. But, um, sorry, I cut you off. No, that's so. Okay, let's call it eighty percent. Yeah. And then maybe about ten percent each that you go zero and two or two and zero. 
Yeah. So you guys are planning on something that we all just agreed has a 10% chance of happening and like mapping this out as if you can start two and O I'm saying more realistically, you're probably not, especially obviously if you lose game one and you've got fam, you game two, I would not use any pitching there. Yeah. I guess That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And the counter is like, well, not doing what we're doing takes that 10 and cutting it in half is not good. You know, <laughs> going down, is, that's bad. Right. But you're going to start one and one regardless, most likely. We just agreed on that. And so, like, from one and one, how do you win the regional? And, and from the – like, from sitting here now, that, that's the case. But if you throw your all your best guys and you win that game, now you're on Saturday saying, it doesn't matter who we throw, we got a 30% chance of going 2-0, and o, which means we got about 30% chance of playing a super regional. Like – because to be honest, like, there's, there's a part of me that would almost prefer to see Robinson throw against Florida. I mean, I was there in person. I watched him throw 90 pitches in Minute Maid against an A&M lineup. That's honestly, it's like one of the best in the country right now. And it, and it wasn't maybe not playing that way then, but still the same guys. And I mean, he's just, he's throwing like 97 in his 80th pitch. And he was I, doing, I mean, he's got. I could agree with that. He He's up and down. Like his ERA isn't as good as Molina's obviously, but his, I don't know, two or three best performances are probably better than Molina's two or three best performances. So if, if we, yeah, if we think he's your best pitcher and you view it from that mindset, then quote unquote, save him for Florida in game two and use Molina game one. I'd, I'd be more on board with it if that was the, if I was at practice every day and I thought Kyle Robinson was our best pitcher, I'd, I'd be more comfortable employing that strategy. You could argue measurable wise, you are pitching backwards. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah. With Petty yeah. too, like the stuff yeah. is there, but just the experience and consistency is not. All right, moving on from the Tech Regional, if I gave you even odds for West Virginia to move on and TCU to move on, who would you go for? One second. TCU in Fayetteville, they're plus mm-hmm. 300. Wait, so what? Yeah, I'll yeah, give you even odds. They're, West Virginia's plus 230, but. Yeah, I've got, so you said TCU's plus 300. That means they it would require 25% chance. I've got that spot on, 25.7 chance to, of winning. Okay. In West Virginia, they are in – what region are they in? Lexington. Lexington. Uh, it's 28%. So, uh, I, so, I guess, you know, I'm taking West Virginia to go farther. But, t- you know, TCU um, playing better as of late. They're hot. They're in a really, really tough regional, though. Like yeah. Santa, Clara is, Santa Clara is one of the better four seeds in the whole tournament and may, maybe even the best four seed in the tournament, which – I, and I'm kind of talking backwards that I, we just discussed how having a strong four seed is actually helpful for you in some ways when you're the two or the three, like you don't want them to be like super strong and be able to beat you. But, but at the same time, you need them to at least cause the one seed to like have to show up, you know? And we're not that like, that's, that's why it's a, uh, it was, I was not, I was like saying cuss words, you know, when the, when we were revealed just because it's like, yeah, it was FAMU. Yeah. And Kyle loves numbers. I mean, FAMU's got a guy with some great numbers. I haven't even looked at their roster yet. They've got a, they've got a guy, but he's pitching in the SWAC. I mean, the SWAC is like a totally different – did you not watch – did you see the golf regional that Tech was in by chance? The, uh, the SWAC team that qualified was 80 strokes away from advancing. 80. Jeez. Like – and that's the disparity there. And that it kind of translates to baseball as well. 
Yeah, so they're like the play-in 16 seed in the basketball tournament. But it's not even it's it's even worse than that. Basketball, yeah. they, they are like they're like 14 and 17, and they won their conference tournament. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, I haven't looked at FAMU. I was only looking at UConn and Florida. So you, you were talking about I make um, our the median run scored in the Tech game around 13, which is pretty high, very high scoring. I mean, you know, I mean, I well, like us in the first game. I like us in this first game. I think the it wouldn't be surprised if I'm having to bet an over if, if like the total for our game is twelve and a half or something. Is it a statistical anomaly that a number one seed hasn't won a national championship in twenty five years? <sighs> yeah, uh, probably. If you really, I, you know, maybe not. There's probably some years where the where the one seeds aren't. But if like, if you're thinking about the last couple of years where you've got Tennessee, Arkansas, and now Wake, and each one of them are going into the tournament with like an implied probability of like a 20% chance of winning it, then it's like there's no way that should happen. You know, if you have a 20% chance over 25 years, you should win like four or five times, right? And they haven't. I don't know if that's been the case over the whole 25 years, um, but certainly it is, yeah. I don't buy into that. Like I've heard people be like, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm betting against Wake Forrester. You know, that has, that has nothing to do with Wake Forest's chances of winning this year has literally nothing like the fact that they're the one seed has has nothing to do with you know that's a good uh just gambling topic like when people look at quote unquote trends they'll totally. be like oh well like the last six Thursday night games have gone under it's like well like there might be something there because it's like a short rest but like because Jacksonville and Denver went under a week ago doesn't mean that Minnesota and Washington right. But yeah. people look at that, they're like, oh, yeah, like it's 12 and one over the last 25 years when you dice it this way. I think that's the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. And almost all those people are like uh, affiliates for sports books. You know, it's the sports yeah. books that are putting out that information. They just need talking, you know, some, a reason for someone to bet on something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, all that stuff is total nonsense. That's well, it's crazy. like, I don't know, just put yourself in the mind of the odds maker. Like, you think they don't know that. Thursday night games tend to be lower scoring when they set the total. So, like, just because the last three went under doesn't mean it's yeah, going to go under every week. Yeah. Do you know what but it people, is? Do you know what it is a good trend, Kyle? What's that? That Rojinho Barbecue is delicious on Saturdays. Rojinho Barbecue open Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Get your orders in before 9 a.m. online, RojinhoBBQ.com. They've got uh, – they had pork, be- pork belly – burn-ins last weekend that looked amazing uh they will be open for the texas tech game go out there get some barbecue watch the texas tech game at 11 a.m friday get your order in you just walk right up get your order and sit down and watch the game so um about the average age of a yukon plate appearance this year is like it's over 22 years old you know, they're, they're a COVID, uh, one of the last vestiges of the COVID stuff, whereas a team like Tech or some of the teams like in these Power 5 conferences, we don't really, you know, our guys go play pro ball. We don't get the benefits of that. Um, you know, they've got multiple 23- and 24-year-old guys. Yeah, I think we- that's a, a pretty sensible counterpoint is like baseball players especially, more so than basketball are incentivized to leave early if they can because they lose a lot of draft leverage if they stay through their senior year. So my counterpoint would be all of those guys weren't drafted highly and so like kind of low ceiling type players. They might be experienced, 
but probably none of them have the talent. Like you were saying, if you drafted players from each roster in order, um, none of them, not, not none of them, but few of them probably have the same talent level as Cash, Harrelson, Bazelia, whoever you want to say. Hester, yeah. yeah. Green. And, and actually, I, I would take Vuletic right now as a bat, as a hitter, not not necessarily in the field, because I'm sure I'd rather have their shortstop, you know, over over him. But right now, I've got him as he'd be like one of the best best hitters on their team. Yeah, he's over 100 abs and still batting over yeah, 400. He, so he's barreling up every single ball. It's unbelievable. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, we shall see. I, I don't. I, I'm. I, I'm. I feel more optimistic than it seems like the the pulse or what my interpretation is of the pulse of of tech fans. Um. Some people. Some people just really aren't cut out for baseball. You know. There's like. There's a reason why you play like 160 games in a, in the pros. It's uh. You know. Like we we've actually. You know. We've like Sam Houston State and Iowa and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and TCU are pretty good and we you know we and we won series against every single one of those teams it's like a it's like a you know if you play a football season and you play like eight or nine bowl teams and you go like six and three against them you know you're you've probably got a pretty good team and then you know i don't know what you want to count the stamp you know, playing at stanford that's almost like a win in my book there and then and actually you split with west virginia and but you play three there and one neutral site that's actually kind of a win like in terms of rpi the the mythical rpi like we gained point more points than they did out of that, uh, you know, exchange. So, so th- that brings up a good point. How do you value teams? So like in that scenario, yeah, you go two and two against West Virginia, but you beat them five to three. They beat you 15 to two. Like how much do you weigh that? Like you won one game, they won one game, but on aggregate, they were clearly the better team. How much does that factor into what you look at? I, I don't, I don't have them as a better team. I mean, I, I, uh, I made tech a favorite against them and bet on tech. Like Tech went off as the favorite against them, so a lot of people thought we were better than them at a neutral site with both. Now we were, they were throwing backwards, so we were, we were throwing Molina. They were not. So that's uh, now that I I probably would not have if they were throwing their one and, and we were throwing our one. I probably had them a little bit, or like could be a fifty fifty. Um, so I mean, I just I I, th- I don't think West Virginia is like clearly better than us. That's a good comment. Tech just beats Florida in sports. No matter the sport or the year, that's my analysis. I'm yeah. I'm pretty pessimistic going into this regional. Uh, just look, I haven't watched any Florida baseball, but just looking at their numbers. But having said that, when you played them in Omaha, I didn't think you were going to touch Brady Singer. No, yeah, they were more. That team was more talented probably than this team. Yeah, so I don't know. And that was at a neutral site. This one's at their home turf. But uh, yeah, that looked pretty daunting. And you played them as a number one overall seed in 2016 and beat them. So. And didn't they yeah. didn't they come to Lubbock? Uh, and we never played them because they just got two in a barbecue in a regional. I think Dallas Baptist knocked them out. Yeah, they they were at our they were at a regional uh, as like the two or the I think a three seed. They like were the last team in. It was when DBU was the two seed. I believe. Yeah. Did we have Army? Maybe and Army. So we DBU beat them, and then I think maybe Army beat them. I, I think they yeah. they went. We never saw them, but they left early. So, I mean, they they just kind of struggled. I mean, when I was looking at their or I was listening to their coach's press conference, and he's like, you know, they were talking about asking him about pitching backwards, you know, whether or not he's going to do it. And he was like, uh, yeah, I think I might because we got Texas Tech, and like they just kind of, you know, they beat us. It's an Omaha program. It's a they, you know, it's like a premier deal. It's a scary enough situation where we might be pitching backwards. 
And he's kind of a prick, their coach. Kind of. Yeah. He's got, yeah. just generally good success against teams from Florida. So you're, what, two and one against Florida in postseason baseball in the Tadlock era. You won the Coral Gables Regional, and you knocked – you retired Florida State's head coach in Omaha a few years ago. We um, also almost – we remember when uh, Gutierrez, like, almost started a big fight in Florida State midweek? We hit, he hit, like, a grand slam a midweek game. Oh, and, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah, he got but, tossed in Coral Gables for dropping the ball in that guy's lap at first base. But I didn't remember the Florida State incident. Yeah. It's pretty feisty. Are you guys ready for uh, mailbag? Any final thoughts on the uh, regionals? Do we miss any? I don't think so. Did we? Did we pick a winner? No, Florida. We, I think we. Who, I think we talked into one. It's probably who I'd take, especially if you throw your ace against a six and a quarter ERA UConn team. You're gonna. So what? What do you think, Florida? Yeah. So I bet Florida is. Certainly hoping we throw our ace. So, like from that perspective, it, it would make you kind of pause and be like, "Should yeah. we be doing?" That's a good way. To, it's like the kickoff returns. So before they bumped it up to the twenty-five yard line, uh, or maybe right after they bumped it up to the twenty-five yard line, Ohio State trained their kickers to land the ball right at the one before you could fair catch it inside the twenty-five because they wanted other teams to return kickoffs. Like they did not. Most kickers they say, "Hey, send it out the back of the end zone. We don't want to cover the kick." They trained their kickers to land it at the one so the other team would have to return the kickoff. And so that – I know we've had this debate, and we're I think we're on opposite sides of this based on the numbers I've looked at. But I'm for never returning a kickoff unless you have a Jakeem Grant-type player. And it goes to that strategy. Like, if the other team wants you to return the kickoff and not just take the free yards, what does that say about it, – it, it's like sports books and betters too. Like, why do they have a $10,000 minimum on NFL sides – and a $50 minimum on Little League World Series sides. Like, which one do you think they want you to bet? Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, Florida's manager probably is dying for us to throw Molina against UConn. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Especially teams are just afraid, like, irrationally afraid of, like, lefties that throw in the 80s that have good numbers. <laughs> you know? Like, nobody wants, to see, nobody wants to see Molina. Like, like, like – Week in and week out, Florida has seen – it's just – and the SEC is just insane. Like, the, the average fastball is like six miles an hour. Uh, the average fastball thrown on the weekend is like six miles an hour harder than any other conference. It's like the gap is almost – it's like a different sport almost. I hate to say it. but And, it, and that's it, why it I, I kind of want to see K-Rob versus Florida. Just the way he pitched in Arlington, it's just like fastballs between 93 and 95, pounding the zone. I would love to see that against Florida. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself out of my. And then we could throw Molina in the triple elimination game if we did the if we, you know, we did Robinson. We'll lose that one. We'll lose in this one. We'll have you no. Know, you, you throw me against FAMU and win like twelve to nine or something. Don't yeah. use any bullpen arms. I'll go throw 140 pitches against yeah. FAMU. So you, I mean, just the, think about it though. Like you think we are, do you, you think we are like more likely to win this tournament? By going through FAMU. Like the odds of us winning this tournament and also playing FAMU are just like like it's not even it's no. not even a contingency worth like planning for. No, no, no. I don't think that. But I think yeah, if you 
No, I, I'm telling you, I don't think that. Like you, you, you rephrase what I'm saying. I, I think if you do find yourself playing FAMU in the 0-1 game, no matter who pitched game one, I think that it is not wise to use your best remaining pitching against Correct. far and away the worst team yeah. in your Correct. bracket. Yeah. That's what. But that's not what you were saying earlier. We were talking about UConn. You don't want to throw. You didn't want to throw against UConn because then you're like, because then when, right. once we lose that game, we'll just be able to have, throw nobody against. No, no, no. You, well, I think you, no. I, yeah. I think the phrase I used was trust your bats and that you don't have to throw your best pitcher to beat UConn. But if you do lose to UConn, it's a nice backstop playing the worst yeah. team in the then entire you're in, tournament in the driver's seat, basically. <laughs> no, you're gonna get to one and one regardless. Do you want to get to one and one using up your two best starting pitchers or using up your third and fourth best starting pitchers? That's how I would phrase it. And if you if you start one and zero, then yeah, pitch Molina game two against Florida, and let's get to two and zero and win the damn thing. All right. But if you're zero and one and we're trotting out Molina against FAMU, I'm like, what are we doing what, what, here? What's I I think there's a let's just say I think there is a we are way more likely to throw Molina against. Florida, but not in the way you're talking. Like we're we could throw Robinson on Friday. Like that that to me is much more in play than what you're talking about. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd be out on that. And I was out on. Uh, I don't know what you thought about the pitching strategy in Game Two against Oklahoma State in Arlington, but my exact words, if you didn't catch them in the Discord when Ryan Free went out, I said, "What the f are we doing?" I said, "WTF are we doing?" And everybody's like, what do you mean? This is the right choice. And like, throw Beckle if you need to also. And I was like, no, absolutely do not do that. And it, it didn't end well for us. But no. I'm sure I galaxy brained that. And, you know, I'm sure it was the right call, even though we lost anyway. Just like if we go one and two in this regional using up our best pitching early, y'all yeah. will tell me, oh, that was still the right right thing to do. And I'll say, okay. Y'all. Yo, Rob's with me. He's just not backing me up. He doesn't want the smoke from Tech Hoops guy. I want to pitch Kyle Robinson on Friday. I said that earlier. I'd I'd be for that. I I could settle for. Especially after after you said that the fastball was way faster than the SEC. Yeah, throw the guy that throws 88 against Florida. They'll be whiffing. It's like pure change-ups. I also – I wish we had Trendon Parrish for – I think he'd be the perfect game one starter if you still had him. Yeah, Tim said you'd have to go another round or two for him to come back. Interesting. Yeah, I just when that happened, I, I figured we wouldn't have him at all. So if you think. have him later, great. Are you all ready for mailbag? I think so. I, I, I just want to make sure that Tech Hoops guy doesn't doesn't think that I want to start zero and one or that I'm planning on playing FAMU in the regional. Or certainly, like you're definitely it's definitely in your mind. It's rattling around in there. Like, how can we come out of the zero and one? What is our best? You know. What's you're very you're very worried about who we're gonna throw against Florida and M. that that much No, I'm not worried at all. That's why I said I'll I'll pitch against Florida AM. I'm worried against about who pitches against Florida. And you're not playing Florida in the 0 and one game. It'll be Robinson or Molina. Yeah. You could Kyle. I, I could live with either one. Could happen. Hopefully we beat UConn. I want to play FAMU in the one and O game. Yeah. That would be yeah. That'd That'd be be sweet. It. Catastrophic injury for Florida, wouldn't it? Hey, right, so if if it's one and zero and Florida A and M is one and zero, who do you pitch in game two? Your best guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. Two and zero is that that important? I could probably be persuaded there, but like if it's going well, I'd pull Molina after like four innings and say we might 
Might, might not, we might need you to close a game three or game four. Tadlock's just real conservative, though. It just he seems is. like. Yes. It would be a catastrophic injury. And if that were the case, they should call our friends over at Barnett, Howard, and Williams. You know, Tech Hoops guy is an attorney. We could, it could be Barnett, Howard, Williams, and Tech Hoops guy someday, maybe, yeah. if he wants to Sketchy. get back into the legal game. <laughs> Sketchy, yeah. <laughs> uh, they handle all sorts of uh, cases, criminal defense, catastrophic injury, certified for Title IX student litigation, one of the only law firms in the state of Texas with that certification. You can learn more at bhwlawfirm.com. They hope you never need them, but they're here for you if you do. Barnett, Howard, and Williams. Mailbag time? Mailbag time. The diversified lenders mailbag. Turn your accounts receivable into cash. How long will it take Ludwig Aberg to win his first major? When's the next one? First two years, right? What? Win how about, the first two years? How about we phrase it this way? Over under one and a half majors in his career. Over. You think so? Yeah. I'm looking at other guys who won that Ben Hogan Award, John Rahm. Yeah. One of the top three players in the world. He, I think he only has one, correct? He's no. young. He's young, obviously. Um, I think Victor Hovland from Oklahoma State. Does not have a major. Also young. But I don't think it's just this gimme. People people thought that when Mito lost on the 18th hole, they're like, oh, he'll be back. And I was like, well, maybe. But, like, how many times are you going to be leading on the 72nd hole of a major championship? John Rahm has two, and he's 28. Okay. I thought he only had one. But I'm, I don't follow golf that closely. Tech Hoops guy, would you take over under one and a half for Ludwig? My I, my initial reaction was under just because it's so hard to win one, period, no matter who you are. But, I mean, he is like the best – he is one of the best, and he's going to be playing so much earlier than maybe all these other guys, you know, uh, getting on tour so quick. I'd probably take the under. Rob's, Rob's hammer in the over. I'd probably go under too, just uh, – not because I doubt his ability, but a lot of golfers don't win multiple majors. Where does Ludwig rank on the GOAT list for Texas Tech? Is he on the Mount Rushmore of Tech athletes? He, he really – I mean, it's it's really impressive. It's almost like having a guy that's like the Heisman for best player in the, the Heisman for like two years in a row. Twice, yeah. And the Maxwell and yeah, the I mean, O'Brien, the Doak Walker, all of them. So it'd be, it'd be Cheryl Swoops, Sally Kipiego, Ludwig Aberg. Mahomes. Yeah, if you count pro credentials. You have like Donnie Anderson. Yeah. EJ Holland. Yeah, Donnie Anderson or Dave EJ Holland. Yeah. Yeah. But he, I mean, he's got a legit, it's just golf, you know, team, non team. It's hard to put, I don't know. It's hard or Devon Odenuru. He yeah. wants a natty in track. Two track and field athletes. Uh, that That's where we win. Like, if Culver hit that shot, he'd be on there. But, like, if we're if we're weighing all sports equally and not accounting for which ones have more fan interest and everything, I think those probably have to be your four. Start, bench, cut, the offspring, Alice in Chains, and Stone Temple Pilots. I have no thoughts here. Yeah, like, so are you a 90s grunge fan? No. 
I would probably start Allison Chains, bench Stone Temple Pilots, and cut what are uh, Offspring. Oh, we're opposite then. Well, that's because you have horrible taste in music. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, what are you? What, this is just for Kyle. Unless, are you a NASCAR guy, Tech Hoops guy? No, you're not NASCAR guy. Uh, what are the best and worst NASCAR moments you remember seeing live? Um. I guess one of my favorites was the summer Daytona race. So it wasn't the Daytona 500. They go back and do a night race in the summer. And my favorite driver at the time, Dale Jr., won that race. But behind him, there was this huge wreck. And Austin Dillon, who somewhat ironically driving the three car, his car like flew into the air, into the catch fence, like in front of the fans. It's like this fireball, all that stuff. He gets out like just fine. And so I think it, uh, and it was cool because they, NASCAR does a really good job. And I think Big 12 football is about to do this, but like in car communications between the teams and like their spotters and crew chiefs makes for incredible content. And so Junior passes the finish line, like he just won a huge race and he sees what happened behind him. And so he's like, his first, he was like, is Austin okay? Does anybody know if Austin's okay? And he, he was fine, which like speaks to some of the, safety enhancements and developments they've made in the sport. So that was pretty spectacular. Worst moment. I don't know. I guess it's like anytime a guy gets injured, I guess that goes against, it's pretty rare. It's like I said, it, they get, they pound the wall at like 190 miles an hour and usually wind up. Okay. But uh, I guess, so my favorite driver, Dale Jr., last race of the season, he needed to win to get into the playoffs. And Kyle Busch, who's like public enemy number one to a lot of NASCAR fans, wrecked him like in, I think, one of the last three or five laps. And so that was that was tough. Sorry to hear that. I take it back. Coolest moment ever. I didn't see it live at Martinsville, which if you all don't know, that is shaped like a paperclip. Like it's straight 180 degrees and straight like there's no wide turns or anything and this guy his name is ross chastain he needed like needed to pass like three guys on the last turn which is impossible here um to make the next round of the playoffs so what he does he just like floors it and is like riding the outside of the concrete barrier around all the cars that are taking the inside lane is a literal video game move and they actually banned it after the fact because they don't want guys trying that but it was the most badass thing I've ever seen on a NASCAR track. It went like mega viral on YouTube. I can't believe he tried it and that it worked. But I think the video of it, yeah, it's it's insane stuff. Especially if you like know how that track normally runs and like look at all the other cars. That's what they're supposed to be doing. That's what happens on ninety nine point nine percent of turns. And then this guy's just like literally riding the wall. It's pretty cool. Did it work? Yeah, yeah. He made the transfer. He he passed enough guys. And how pissed off the guy he needed to pass was one of the cars that he passed. Like there's a point system. Every car you pass is a point. And one of the guys he passed was one of the cars he needed to move ahead of. Like how pissed off are you if you think there's no way, like just because nobody's ever taken that route before. And then like, you just see him fly by you on the outside. I'd be so like, where in the hell did that guy come from? Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. Risk it to get the biscuit, man. Yeah. Or one NASCAR fan says solid NASCAR discussion here. Yeah. I knows he likes NASCAR. I, it's a NASCAR guy. I'm surprised you don't bet NASCAR, Tech Hoops guy. It's tough. Uh, there's some smart people that bet it. But, you know, because it's uh, 
they run, you know, you, you know more than me, but they race, they run lap, they race laps before the race. Right. Yeah. So like when those times like populate, the market just goes crazy um, based on this time. So if you've got access to that information, you can quickly, and those are the people that win. It's also very easy. That's a really good way to get kicked off sports books, start pounding their NASCAR mashups and NASCAR outrights. Yeah. I'm going to save the rest of these questions for our football episode because it's a bunch of football questions. Are we allowed to talk a little bit of football here on the Republic of Football podcast feed? Yeah, we While we have Tech Hoops guy? Just, uh, just an hour in. What do you want to talk about? Yeah. Do you have time, Tech Hoops guy? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A couple, 20 more minutes, maybe. I, yeah, the main question I had for you is, what do you think about UConn as an expansion candidate? Uh, I, I I was actually just talking to I was talking to uh, Go, Ben Golan and once I saw that and Taylor Beatles you know, like UConn Colorado right I mean it, it's uh like from a betting perspective the legal uh, it, it's like the most interesting league there's so many uh, really distinct venues uh, from like really extreme altitudes and like dry uh to now we've got like some really humid locations and and then the travel i mean it's it's unlike any other conference really and like you know you know adding yukon and colorado just it's the it just makes it even more uh unique i like i i have a feeling uh that i'll be able to like really capitalize on like base college baseball and that that in the new big 12 like some of the totals you know i, I just uh It'll be, it, I, I really, I mean, it's intriguing, I guess, is my reaction to that. Because I mean, I don't know about UConn as a football program. They're, they're, yeah. I mean, their facilities and, and everything is just absolute garbage, I think. Yeah, that, that's where I don't know if they like, if they suck at football just because, like, they'll always suck at football, or do they suck at football because they've never invested in it and could entrance into a Power Five league assist with that? Yeah, I, I bet so. So I don't know. I don't, they were not really on my radar just because everybody's been talking about the yeah. four corners. I, I'd be way more excited about Colorado just because that'd be like an auto trip going to that game every year. And plus with the benefit of this time, I'm sure Leach won't lose to an 0 and 8 team as a 20 point underdog, you know, so we won't have that going on. You know, I'm just yeah. like, we might actually win games up there. Yeah, that'd be nice. Sure would. That was the only thing I, I I feel like Tech Hoops guy had some good realignment thoughts on like UCF and Houston back when that news broke, and so just wanted his two cents on the UConn chatter. If it was UConn, Colorado, and the Arizonas, I would be all in. I would take that. You'd, you'd have a pot of four out west, BYU plus the three you mentioned, four in the Eastern Time Zone, and eight right up the middle. That'd be good for now, and then you wait on some ACC teams. And then whenever that opens up, take four or, you know, however many. And you've already got teams out there. That, that'd be perfect. Prosper. That's all I got. Same here. Tech Hoops guy, final thoughts? I hope we, get a, I hope we win on Friday, man. We Me really, too. You really have like to start 2-0 and o if you want to win I, these things. This is, you know, last year when I was running, I – running the stuff, I had Notre Dame as a slight favorite to win the Georgia Southern Regional, but, like, there really wasn't a big difference. And, like, I, I don't know if the team was feeling pressure. I wasn't really feeling pressure. But it it's uh, – to me, I, I have, like, a sense of, okay, beat UConn, 
And I'm like completely fine because like it just gives us a game where anything can happen. We're playing a team that's just so much. They're so good. I mean, they really are uh, at home. Uh, and you really have a chance of winning that game. I, I know as much people don't want to hear it, but it's just it's baseball. Like it's two college programs that are power five teams. Uh, one of them is going to have like a 30 percent chance of winning at the at, at least, you know, uh, and so, but and so comparing it to Statesboro last year, it was like, okay, we, we should beat this team. We should beat Georgia. Southern. you know, like we're like the best team in this field. There was almost like some pressure or something, but uh, I just don't feel that at all with this one. I just, it's almost like, uh, you know, beat UConn and just like, let's see what, like where the, let's see what happens against Florida. That was a weird regional because the two best teams were the two, three, they had to play each other game right. one. And that's yeah. like, that never happens. Even if the three seed is better than the two seed, like the one seed is better than both of them or should be, so that was a that was a brutal draw. I mean, really for Notre Dame as well, it didn't wind up mattering because they got through it. But um, they felt like they were a, a host snub, and then they're sitting there with Texas Tech as the three they're paired with. So that was, and then you lost to them twice by one run. So that was that was frustrating. There's a lot of parity in that regional. Yeah. All right. We close this out there, Kyle. Oh yeah, love y'all. Wait, y'all been getting any more internet fights lately? Uh, no, I don't. Are we beefing with anybody right now, Rob? Just the tech fans that think we should stop being Kansas State podcast. Yeah, but emo, emo. Are you a? Hey, 